This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. We are here. Politi, Fonseca, Lanny, the whole crew. Ooh, 22 nothing loss in Iowa. I was thinking about it. It, it. it felt to me a little like a Chris Ash performance. And quite frankly, I thought we were done with those, especially against a team that, you know, I mean, the non-Ohio State, Michigan-level teams. I thought we had had our final one of those games. But no, another Chris Ash kind of level performance. Uh, inept on both offense and defense. You guys chronicled it well out there. I'm not sure what stunned me more. I guess you could expect the offense to be bad against Iowa's defense. I was surprised that the defense was bad against Iowa's offense, but we need to start with the quarterback. I think that's what everyone was talking about this morning um, and, and after the weekend. And here's my here's my feeling on this, guys, and tell me if you agree. And I, I think we've been pretty, you know, at least I've tried to not overreact to every single result from Gavin Wimsett this year and you know, not make it a referendum on whether he's going to be the guy. Like, I, I didn't want to do that coming out of every game saying he's not good enough. Oh, yeah, now he's good enough. You know, that's that doesn't serve anybody well. But I'm just not seeing the improvement over last year. I'm not seeing what I think you needed to see to be confident that he's going to be the quarterback that's going to get Rutgers over to the next level. I guess that's where I'm at. And if you look at the season stats this year, 48% last season, 44%. Last season, he's at 48% this season completion rate. Five touchdowns last season, he's at eight touchdowns this season. Seven interceptions last season, he's at six this I mean, it, it's really just not that uh, not that better. Uh, it, am I wrong? I think he has cleaned up why well, he thought that he had cleaned up most of his issues from last year, but those stats kind of tell a different story. He's thrown an interception four of his last five games, at least one, which is that matches his worst stretch from last year. Yes, he's running the ball a bit better, but in games like Saturday where they can't run the ball at all, uh, that doesn't help much. And the biggest thing to me is like, even if he has raised his floor to the point where he's not hurting them and losing them games, although you can argue that has happened, 
against Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio State this year, he has not shown me at all that he can elevate Rutgers and win them games. Rutgers needed a quarterback who can – they needed one score. They were down a score for almost the entire game. They needed a quarterback who can make a play, who can make a throw, do something. This is a kind of game, the razor-thin margins, where one play changes everything. I don't think he came particularly close. I do think he was good in the first half. I thought that was one of his better halves of the year, frankly. Like, even the the incompletions he had were kind of on his receivers more than him. I thought he was fine. But the second half, when they really needed a score and time was coming down, he didn't do it. And again, I haven't seen that all year. And that's what you want to see from a quarterback when you want to go from beating teams that you should, which Rutgers has, when you want to get that signature win, which Rutgers is now own and foreign trying to get this year, you need a quarterback that can play above and beyond. I haven't seen any signs that Gavin Wimsett could do that. Pat? Rutgers just wanted a quarterback that can move the chains on third and two, third and three, make it make an easy throw and keep this offense ahead of schedule. And for most of the season, Gavin Wimsett has done that, I would argue. And now it's just at the point where he had a re- like a really tough half, second half. And it's starting to become apparent that he's not going to win them games, as Brian said. But I think he still is is the best option at this point. So I don't, I don't think there's a there's a switch that needs to be made or anything like that. I just think uh, when Rutgers couldn't run the ball, it became apparently obvious that their offense has no chance at succeeding. And that's a bigger issue to me. Like the offense is so one dimensional. And does that fall back on the quarterback? Certainly a little bit. But at the same time, like Rutgers has put all of its eggs in one basket and that's in Monungai's hand. And that's that's a bigger issue to me, too. I think when you say he's not, there's no better option now, that's two things can be correct. Like there's no better option now and he's he's still not the guy. And I feel like what, I, what, I, what I've gotten a lot, and it, it, you know, it reminds me of covering the Giants at the end of Eli Manning's time where it was always like, well, if he had, if he had better blocking, I mean, we'll look at the running game. Well, I mean, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a good receiver, but we're doing a lot of the same things that you do making excuses for, for a quarterback. And I see that, like, I get it. Like the receivers, the, your best receivers are walk on, you know, Chris Long's out, you know, you did, you, you haven't had, you know, the, the Nassim Brantley couldn't get eligible. I like the, the weapons are better. There's no tight end. Test the ball. I get it. The weapons aren't there, but at the same token, the offensive line's better than I thought it would be. The running ba- running game is pretty good, except except that one, except against Iowa. Good all so he has a good running game. You know, I, I guess I just wonder if the things I'm seeing, which is the accuracy issue, if that's ever going to be, if that if that's going to improve. You know, at some point, at some point, you have to look at. You know, he's played 23 games. This might just be who he is. You know, and I, I guess I'm kind of getting there, and I wonder what happens now. Like, all right, well. Is is this going to be this? Is Greg Shiano going to get there? Like, are you going to go into next season with hoping that the light bulb flips flicks on and 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 jeopardize another year where this program could be really ready to take him an even bigger step than it did this year? And you know, still have a guy who's completing fifty percent of his passes. I mean, that, that's a huge dilemma. Yeah, and I I think this is kind of the discussion we had last week about is Gavin Wimsett limiting this offense. And I think certainly that's going to be a discussion in the offseason. Is Gavin Wimsett limiting this team, this offense, from taking that next step? He has to improve his accuracy, obviously, for for that to happen. 
not to he doesn't have to complete 65% of his passes, but you know, league average, college football average is not too much to ask for. To not be the least accurate quarterback in the sport is not too much to ask for. Now, I agree with Pat. I don't think I I've already seen some clamoring for the backup quarterback chat. Evan Simon is not better than Gavin Wimsett. I think we have enough sample size to know that. The question is going to be in the offseason, are they going to be able well, one, will they even entertain the thought of finding another quarterback in the transfer portal? I'm not even sure that that will, discussion will start. It's very, as we've had this discussion ad nauseum, it's very difficult to get a quarterback in the portal that is good without paying a lot of money. And I'm not sure Rutgers has that. They're already going to be spending a lot of money, a lot of their resources on keeping the good players they have already. I'm not sure they have enough bankroll to get a high quality power five quarterback. And I don't think, as we discussed last week, that AJ Serace is going to be ready to take over this program as a true freshman. I think that's an almost impossible ask for this kid who's playing in public high schools in New Jersey. So what does that get to? A pretty unsatisfying conclusion that Rutgers might just be in quarterback purgatory until AJ Serace is ready or until Gavin Wimsett takes the next step or until some, you know, anonymous donor comes out of the sky and gives them a couple million dollars to spend on a quarterback because those are the only real options. And until then they're kind of in this point where I see a lot of people saying that Rutgers is playing conservative offensively combined with what you said of the lack of weapons at wide receiver and tight end and the quarterback's inaccuracy and inability to take this offense to the next level. This is pretty much the only way Rutgers can win games at this point. So as Kirk, Kirk Schrock is kind of hamstrung, like I, I, I understand the the want for more jet sweeps, more screens, more creativity. You only really have what you can work with, right? Yeah, I take a little issue with the Shiraka hamstrung thing, and it's just it was really on display there for me when you could see that Brian Ferentz had some wrinkles. This guy, this guy's the most maligned offensive coordinator in college football history, maybe not quite history. But history. history. Yes. And like, all right, and then you're going to come out in the empty backfield, and you're going to run this cool play to a tight end lineup as a fullback to get 50. I mean, you just saw some stuff. Like, I didn't, like, I just felt I like. I totally agree. I totally agree with you, Steve. Brian Ferentz out offense and out game plan Rutgers in that game. Like, the as you said, the most maligned offensive coordinator and play car who had a, a, a points per game clause written into his contract, who had the, the Sickos Committee mountain climber game, <laughs> who <laughs> fired because his dad would never fire him it, like Rutgers can't throw a screen pass Rutgers can't run a jet sweep they they can't throw short passes because of inaccuracy issues right. uh I'm convinced- and they're afraid to throw over the middle too that's the other part they're afraid of that yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and to me just the one more point I want to make on the quarterback is that I I know for a fact that Shiraka is very steady and and Greg Shano's kind of given him a long leash to to develop Gavin and and play the long game. It, it's always felt that way that they want to make it work with Gavin as as much as possible. It just feels like that development that you thought was going to happen that he would make a, at least a little bit of a marginal step in his second full year just hasn't happened, and that makes you question. All right, it, it, like it's not co- it, maybe it's coaching but it, it comes back to talent at the end of the day. And maybe that's an issue that just can't be coached. Yeah. But at the I, same time, like sometimes the play calling is a little suspect as well. So I, I think it's 50, 50 who gets the blame here. 
for the lack of development for Wimson. Yeah. In fairness to Shiraka, this is the first time I was really like, what are we doing here? Like I, I've been okay for the, for the most part with the play calling, acknowledging that this is going to be a conservative team that has to run the ball first, the play to his strength, all of that, that Gavin's limited, that they don't want to put him in positions to fail. They want to put him in a position to succeed. I really haven't. I know a lot of fans have. I haven't had a huge problem until that game against Saturday, Brian. I don't know. I just, I just didn't, I didn't seem like they were trying. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. I get it. They were, but they're really watching it. And I know, I know Iowa's defense is great. I get it. But I, I don't know. It was like the first time I felt like, all right, what are we doing here? Like, are you trying to throw the ball down the field? Are we going to gonna throw something in there, wrinkle anything? I do think it's important to note the opponent they're playing. The over-under was 27 and a half for a reason. This is a team that won its last or played its last three games. The scores were 12-10, 15-6, 17-10. This was always going to be a low-scoring field position game, and I think Rutgers was playing that field position game where instead of taking that risk down the middle, throwing it deep, you know, whatever, they were content to try to run the ball, try to make marginal gains, move the ball forward, punt it deep, force Iowa's horrible offense to punt it back and you slowly but surely move down the field. Maybe Jay Patel gets a field goal. Maybe you get in the end zone and you win the game that way. Look, if the defense was able to get stops, Rutgers did not get a single three and out, not one three and out against remarkable. Wow. The worst offense in power five, the laughing stock people in college football were laughing at how bad Iowa's offense is. Rutgers cannot get a single three and out. They gave up more first downs in the first half to Iowa than Iowa had against Wisconsin, Iowa State, Minnesota, and Penn State. They had four first downs against Penn State. They had 11 in the first half against Rutgers. I know wow. Rutgers only gave up 22 points. I know they only gave up three points in the first half. As Greg Schiano said, they were lucky to only be down three points in the first half. They had uh, Their kicker missed a field goal. They threw up an unbelievable, may I say, Gavin Wimsett-esque interception at the goal line. And if it wasn't for that, they'd be up two scores at the half. And they were not, they weren't dominating Rutgers defense. I shouldn't say that, but they were moving the ball against Rutgers defense, Iowa, Iowa. So my point is that had the defensive and held side of the, the, the bargain there and, you know, played as well as they could and held Iowa's offense, the field position battle game would have worked better. I think my point is that that was clearly the strategy. They were being conservative intentionally and trying not to beat themselves against Iowa. I can understand that point of view because if you throw one pick six, if you throw do any any play like that and give Iowa three points, the game is over. Clearly, they scored zero points. So I can understand that. I think that as Shiraka showed in the first nine games, to your point, Steve, like you said, this is the first what the F game. I'd like to think that against Penn State and Maryland, they'll be a little less running the ball on third and seven than they were on Saturday. And the penalties, again, just to be clear, the penalties also did not help. Pat, what happened with the defense? A, they didn't get any pressure whatsoever. And they were blitzing a lot, which opened up, I think, a lot of like one-on-one matchups that Iowa hit on in the short passing game that uh, I thought they just were a little vulnerable. Um, you, you thought the, I thought the cornerbacks didn't play. I know Max Melton had the interception. It was a tremendous play. But overall, like they were giving up big plays uh, to, to no-name players that had done nothing to that point which was uh, very worrisome and just the lack of pressure overall, I thought uh, was, was disappointing, especially it it just keeps coming back to this. Like we, we thought coming into this season that 
this was going to be a defense that absolutely got after the quarterback every single week and was going to be able to win games because of that disruptiveness. It just hasn't happened. Like, and, and, and that's kind of a head scratcher to diagnose a big picture. I, I think they, they got out game planned. Like, like Brian Ferentz called a great game and they really couldn't stop the run in the second half either. So like those drives were just continued and and it all just kind of fell apart. It snowballed. Of course, it snowballed too when the offense couldn't move the ball. Right. So they were on the field forever too in the second half. So I felt like was- the the first time the defense kind of said, "All right, Uncle, you know, yeah, you put us exactly. you put us in too many bad situations here." Where the, the, and I, it's almost understandable except for a couple injuries to Robert Longerman yeah, yes, going down. Yes. Um, not good. All right, let's do true or false. Got a few good topics here that we've covered in the past that we're going to have to. Revisit is the first one. True or false? Gavin Wimmis said we'll start the 2024 season opener. True or false? Pat. True because I still think they're playing the long game with them through all this. Yeah. I really do. Brian. True. I just don't see any other real realistic option, and you got to just kind of hope that Kirk Sharaka's quarterbacks usually take a second year jump under his system. You got to hope that that happens. I don't see them getting a transfer. I don't see AJ Sarace being ready. I think this is just kind of what it's going to be. Yeah, it's it certainly looks true. I, I should have asked: Will he start? Will he be starting the fifth game of the season? Would be an interesting question. Let's do that. Pat, true or false? Week five or six? My uh, answer is not going to change because like <laughs> I, 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 I wrote this. I delete wrote this at. <laughs> I did a like a very well researched history of Rutgers quarterback article to start the season. And it was all about can Rutgers develop a quarterback for the future and can it be Wimsett? And just like based on that history, like it does take some time and the, the growing pains are really hard. Like think about Gary Nova, right? Uh, Mike Teal, these guys were not that much better than Wimsett through their sophomore season. And if you're going to pull the plug on this guy already, you're, you're blowing an opportunity to develop a well-experienced veteran player down the line and i think that's going to go a long way so my answer is going to be true you still going true on that too bro very optimistic outlook from pat that he can become gary nova (laughs) and uh mike teal that would be great i think Rutgers would sign up for that in blood i'm not so sure yet but look at look at the history though that's uh, like if you go back and they were they were not lighting it up as sophomores they had a lot of issues (laughs) gary nova was benched they're about to say they also got benched so yeah yeah, let's keep that in mind yeah yeah, for chase dodd for for i mean I, I agree with your general point. I don't think it's impossible. I do also think it's worth pointing out they had much more, much better talent around them. Mike Teal had NFL players on his offense. You know, maybe Kabanunga is an NFL player. I don't see anybody else. Maybe Holland Pierce on that offense that's going to play in the league. To answer your question, Steve, yes, because their first three games are Howard, Akron, and Virginia Tech. And uh, I think when they go to USC in late October, I still think Gavin Wimsett is going to be the starting quarterback for Rutgers. I would be pretty surprised. I'm not sure what the alternative is. I'm going to, I'm going to go false. And I'm going to say this only, and I don't know what's going to happen. I just do not think Greg Schiano, based on what I saw in 1.0 is going to, is going to just let this keep going like this. Like he has to recognize that this has not been good enough. And whereas they're not, I get like people think, well, why not give Evan Simon a chance? I think he, he, there will be someone in the program. He will just add by default given give a shot next year so we'll Ooh. see who evan simon no the freshman the, the transfer somebody that was good somebody's gonna have like anybody as any shepherd someone's gonna have a chance next year so it's asked to with the you transfer who, are they gonna get a transfer 
I okay. just he can't he knows he can't keep doing like, well no he can't keep doing this so it's right? a panic move like it can't be worse I it, understand that you got to try something for the sake of at a certain point I mean if, if it's if this continues if this is Gavin Wimsett start next year he will not be the quarterback in week five or six understood and I don't think you're wrong I'm just saying we fall into this fallacy of it can't get worse. It can get, get you, but it can't get right? This is the guy who went to he went to a walk on. He went to Chase Dodd. He went. He's not. He just like he, and 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 it's it's too. You know, I, I don't think he's changed to the point where he's not gonna. He's gonna. Oh, this is what we've got. This is the best option. He's gonna try something else. He's gonna have to try something else. His season depends on it. Not not apples to apples, but just to compare, Gavin Wimsett and Evan Simon against Iowa the last two years. <laughs> Gavin Wimsett did not win the game for Rutgers. Last this Saturday, he did not lose it. Evan Simon lost in the game against. Well, I shouldn't say that's not, not. It was it all on him. Good, good, Pat. You were, you were gonna say something? Uh, yeah, no, just move on. <laughs> <laughs> my my opinion is not gonna change. Like I I, I still think long term they're they're still sticking with him. I, I really do. All right, true or false? Book it. Rutgers will play in the Pinstripe Bowl. This is all. This is a foregone conclusion. Is it, Pat? True or false? It is true. It is true. Uh, Brian, we going to Bronx? I felt that they probably needed to get to eight wins to avoid the Bronx. I don't think they're being Penn State. I'll say true. All right. I'm going to say true as well. Is there a, is there a six win? We're not going to get the Bronx scenario here, though. We're going to be shuffled out to uh, Detroit or something? Something worse? No? You're grimacing. Pat is grimacing. <laughs> I didn't like that. That's like well, Christmas flights. We were talking to the Iowa guys at the game. We were talking to the Iowa game. And – they of course prefaced it because they have a great fan base that travels, but Iowa played in the Music City Bowl at seven and five last year. So. I don't think uh, seven and five Rutgers is playing in the Music City Bowl. Yeah, not this year. I mean, there's there's too many other teams to pick from, right? I mean, yeah, and Rutgers. I mean, to be fair, there are probably worse Big Ten teams than Rutgers that could get that end of the like if Northwestern or Maryland make the six and six. Oh, Maryland did, or Nebraska. They're probably worse than Rutgers and can make it to the Quick Lane Bowl, but. I just think when you're six and six, seven to five, uh, you're not a big enough name to travel out to Vegas or Phoenix and proximity rules. So you can get more Rutgers fans at the pinstripe bowl than anywhere else. I think it just fits perfectly and barring an upset of Penn state. That's where they're going to end up. I'm with you on that one. All right. True or false injuries will keep this team from winning another game. Now we we're looking at six and six, Pat, true or false. No, I'm I'm still I still think they got a good shot against Maryland, but injuries are a big concern. Like they they if longer beams out long term and Jaquay Jackson's out long term, that's that's those are two huge, huge losses for sure. Brian, we seem we seem to be losing uh, players we can't lose at this point. I think they might finish six and six. I'm not sure injuries are gonna be the reason. Uh maybe lack of depth, which I guess falls into the injury thing. No, I, I Jaquay Jackson, I thought Ian Strong fit in fine to replace him. I thought he he was their leading receiver. I thought he had a great catch on this great throw from Gavin for that 29-yard gain. And then I thought Eric Rodgers was fine in Longer Beam's place. I think those guys are fine. It's just I'd be worried about losing Manungai. I'd be losing, worried about losing Ahanatu long-term. Those guys worry me more, but I don't think that's going to be the reason. If they lose to Maryland, I don't think that'll be the reason. All right. Uh, I agree with you. Absolutely. True or false? The Big Ten treated Jim Harbaugh unfairly. People are losing their S-H-I-T over this in Ann Arbor, Pat. Was this unfair? I'm just going to say, uh, like, I'm, I'm, let me clarify. Sorry, I'm mumbling so badly because I am just 
unsure about the question. Like he was treated unfairly because he only got three games. That's what you're asking? No, because they they don't think he should have gotten anything. I mean, you saw what was happening. The the bet, the university president, the guy crying on TV. That's tangible coach false. crying Absolutely on TV. False. Like he was Absolutely thrown into prison. Like he, like he was I just sent want to pass this to you. Yeah. To the you FBI. Can. Like he had been like he had been in good grief. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to the University of Michigan. They're gonna leave the big ten over it, Brian. I think you know how I feel about this. How do you feel about it? Was he treated unfairly? Yes. Yes? Yes. Ooh, okay. Let the invest- I'm nice. listening. Let the investigation play out. Oh, Don't boy. cower to the outrage of the athletic directors and the coaches who are just mad for the sake of being mad because they're always mad about something. I'd like to see the whole thing play out. It's a half-measured punishment anyway. Like you're again, you're clearly just doing it to appease everyone else in the Big Ten. As bad as Tony Petiti is, you know, I just let the season play out, punish them after the season. I am on the side of the Wolverines. Ridiculous decision, in my opinion, sets a terrible precedent, and they won anyway. So, what kind of punishment is this? Please teach this young buck, Steve. Please put him in his place. (laughs) Wow. I mean, Gus. It's, I, I okay no I, I hear you need I hear like I there's I mean they're never never once have as Michigan said we didn't do this thing that's against the rules like they are acknowledging that they broke these rules right like they've and so far as they don't outright deny it they're not saying correct. we did it they're just the not saying is the question like oh, no the hardball even though the guy's it's standing happened. next to him on the sidelines okay like, that doesn't matter yeah there's I'm, there's I'm, like there's I'm clauses fine with in this that the the head coach is responsible for what happens in this program. I, I understand Michigan should be punished to some extent for this outrageous scheme. I'm not denying that you, you the deportation is bad. Yeah. Don't do it before their biggest game of the year yet, a day before on a federal holiday. So it was clearly so that you couldn't put it in court and challenge it with a temporary restraining order. Make, don't make it a circus. Don't wait until the guy's on the plane to state college. I, I love don't, it. They're, they very clearly intentionally did this in, in like outrageous fashion. Let the season play out. Don't hurt your best team in the league. Like, n- none of it made sense to me at all. It, it was almost as though, like, ev- they were trying to make it look like the, the, the biggest circus possible. Let them play out the season. Let the NCAA handle it like you've done with almost every other case in the history of the league. Yeah, I think they, I mean, all right. Uh, obviously, I disagree. I think they had to do something. Agree that it was sort of a weak punishment. I mean, Coach, he's more important game during the week than to motivate the team than he is on game day. They certainly didn't need him. They well, they didn't look great. I watched more. I watched a lot of game. They, they didn't look great in that game. They certainly handled Penn State, which has its own wide array of problems that I'm sure we'll talk about on Thursday when we preview the game. But I uh, just the reaction to it to me, the over the top, the hysteria in Ann Arbor, the the leaking to. Sports Illustrated and other outlets that, oh, maybe we should leave the Big Ten. You've been in the Big Ten since eight, five, and six. You're going to leave because finally a, a commissioner said, you know what? We're not putting up with your crap. You cheated before. You're cheating now. We've got a league. We've got 13 people who are 13 other schools who are following the rules here against this thing. You egregiously did something that's outside the boundaries of what you're allowed. You're punished for it. you got to be punished for it. So I am pro Tony Petiti. 
Who leaked started like, leaking first? Who started leaking these things first? Was oh, it not the coaches a... and the ADs five minutes after they finished their meeting with Tony Petiti crying like like little schoolgirls about, oh, no one's punishing school Michigan. Uh, Michigan ran the ball 32 straight times on Penn State, the second best defense in this league, and they could do nothing to stop them. No mm-hmm. sign is going to stop Michigan from running the hell over every team they play. They're good. Michigan is mm-hmm. good. They're not winning because of a sign, and they don't deserve to be punished. Now, without due process, just because everyone's mm-hmm. crying about the fact that they're the best team in the Big Ten. Look, I don't want to sound like a Michigan homer, but it's outrageous what the rest of this league is doing and what the league is cowering to. Like, what are we doing? I thought we were college football coaches and players, not friggin' Karens in some school board meeting complaining about the dumbest thing. Wow. That was good. This is a good, that was a good rant. I think you're too fired up about this. I'm too fired up about this. I want Michigan to win the national championship because of all this nonsense. Whoa. Oh, how about that? Okay. Did not see this coming. Did not see this coming. Me neither. I like it though. I like it. This is as fired up as since he's been since he was defending his crappy pumpkin a few weeks ago. I think I can't think of how <laughs> I can't think of how far this is really a high level. Of, this is some good Brian content. All right, let's move on that before I don't want to. You know, it's uh, a good stopping point. Good job by you. You guys got me in a bad day. Sporting blew a one goal lead in the last two minutes against oh Benfica. This is oh, right. a huge game. Go. I'm not oh, going to go deep boy. into it. I'm just yeah, saying. Great. I'm just saying. I'm in a very bad mood because of that. I'm going to be in a bad mm-hmm. mood all week. So don't be bringing up controversial topics to me because I will pop off. I will stop. Okay. All right. Giants are an embarrassment. Jets are an embarrassment. Pele is the, the biggest mm-hmm. embarrassment. <laughs> Pele is the best soccer player of all time. All right, moving on. Um, Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldrich lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldrich.com. True or false? The basketball team needs more from Cliff Omori. Did it sound like an unusual statement to make? I know you guys weren't at the game. or probably weren't even able to watch the game. Uh, on Sunday. What do you think? Does this team need more from its best player? Pat. True. Brian. Vitor Jokeres is the best soccer player of all time. Oh, here we go. I did watch, I did watch the game on the plane. False. Rutgers needs more from their guards who are shooting 30% on threes so that when Cliff O'Mori is getting quadruple teamed in the paint, he could pass it out to somebody who can hit an open shot. You know, the, the guy is not superhuman, although he did get an offensive rebound and dunk over three defenders. Unless you want him to do that literally every time he goes down the floor, somebody's got to make a shot to help the guy out. That's my argument. Okay. I'm going to say true. The first half, it, it and he was in foul trouble. I get it. But uh, watching that game, it just looked like he was disinterested. And and uh, apparently Andre Hyatt, and this will be the next question, Andre Hyatt shook him up a little bit at halftime. Good leadership about that. He did play better in the second half. He was a rebounding machine, but he just what he just has not looked like the guy I expected to see this year. The best player on the team, the one of the five best players in the Big Ten. He just hasn't been that yet. 
He's been good, but I have a higher expectation for Cliff O'Moore than I do I for anybody else in the I team. I agree with you. And especially against teams that don't have dominating opposing centers like right. Princeton and, and and Boston U, right? Like you would ex- and Brian, you would expect right. one of the best big men in the country to to dominate a six foot six opposition. Yeah, I think the light, I, I, and I do, and I, you know what? And I think it's coming too. That's the thing about Cliff. I think it is coming. He he could beat a six foot six guy, which he showed when he got one on one in the paint. Did this great spin move to the dunk when he did get one on one coverage. FDU had nobody who could guard Zach E one on one, but they put four guys around him, dared Purdue to shoot. Nobody could knock down a shot, and that's how FDU beat Purdue. Bryant was putting three guys on Cliff Omori. Nobody could hit a, a three pointer or a free throw for that matter. And I mean, I just I understand your guys's point. He should be playing better. He hasn't been playing great. I just think you know. <laughs> The guy could get some help. It's not only his fault. All right. Speaking of help, true or false, Ace Bailey is the biggest signing for Rutgers ever in the hist- 150 years. Back when William Leggett put pen to paper, put quill, put quill to parchment in 1867. Pat, is that an exaggeration or is this the biggest signing ever? Oh, man. <laughs> across all sports yeah it's across everything false because it's anthony ashton <laughs> oh boy okay that's a good one i guess that's a good one the first undefeated that, that's a really good one actually in the history of new jersey signing that guy that's a really good one i appreciate that all right brian you got one that was an awesome call from pat that completely changed my answer i was going to say like a, a resounding yes but when you have a kid that literally wins a national championship Great call from Pat. I'll go false. But I will say, uh, in basketball, the only one that could compete realistically is Phil Sellers. Obviously, there was no recruiting rankings back then, uh, and there was a little less buzz. But Phil Sellers was a big deal when he picked Rutgers. And obviously, his career played out to where he's the greatest player in program history. So uh, I think in the moment of the signing, the biggest, I think it beats Phil Sellers. If Ace Bailey uh, does live up to the hype in his one year at Rutgers, we're assuming he's going to be a one and done. I think he could surpass Phil Sellers. It went a little under the radar just because like he committed nine months ago, never really wavered. Like there was never really any worry yeah. that he was going anywhere yeah. else. Pretty much shut down his recruitment. So the buzz isn't quite as high as you'd expect, but a humongous deal. Uh, big, uh, big props to Steve Peichel and Brandon Knight for getting this done. I'm just trying to think of a counterpart in football, like you know, the highest recruit, probably Anthony Davis, Savon uh, Huggins didn't become the player that they thought he was going to become. You know, the guys who changed the program in football, Brian Leonard was a big deal, but he wasn't like, he wasn't this level of, of national big deal. Um, I mean, this is, this could be the top. This is a lottery pick coming to Rutgers. I mean, it's just insane. And I was kind of amazed and I got some blowback on, on Twitter about it when I when I when I put it out there, I was a little like it just kind of flew under the radar. Like I was lucky; I had to wake up and did that happen? Like did he sign? I had to wake up and kind of search for it. it. Just didn't seem like it was treated with the same you know holy bleep that that. I, and I guess you're right, Brian. People expect people knew it was coming. They weren't worried about him. He hasn't wavered, and he seems like. And this is <laughs> compared to the other recruit who we'll talk about. It really does seem like he's just kind of a chill. You know, it doesn't need the drama, doesn't need the attention. It's happy doing it in this home gym on a Saturday night with his people around him. You know, he's not looking for 
ESPN, I look for the hat game, all the all the stuff that co- like the will he or won't he? You know, he just seems like he just wants to come here and play basketball. And you know, wow, that's hey, that's great. He committed out of nowhere. Yeah, like he, there exactly. was no build up. I'm committing at this time on this date. Follow my live announcement on two four seven and check out my tweet from Tipton Edits. Like it was yeah. out of nowhere. He was quiet pretty much the entire summer. He signed his national letter of intent on a Saturday night. Five minutes before midnight. Like, you don't do that if you want attention. He did it because he wanted to be around his friends and family. Uh, one of those friends that was there, coincidentally, was mm-hmm. Mr. Dylan Harper, which, if Dylan Harper doesn't end up at Rutgers after all of this, it would be He's the greatest. Cr- I know people have said that he trolled Indiana by wearing their candy stripe pants and doing the Ron Harper celebration. If he doesn't commit to Rutgers, this would be the greatest troll job. Impractical jokers would be crying thinking of a joke like this. It would be on like the biggest troll job of all time. He's going to Rutgers. I'm, I, I, Pat, I don't know. I've never been, I'm, I don't know when it's going to happen. I guess the latest rumor, people ask us all the time. The latest rumor is sometime before that game here at the rack. Is that the, in late December? Is that your sense now? Is that, that's what the, what the rumor is before the end of the year, he'll commit. I actually want to do some reporting on like all the people that got it wrong to this point. Oh like, yeah. I think that would be a fascinating. Like, oh, will you include this podcast as part of that? <laughs> yeah. In your reporting. Of course, you got to be objective. <laughs> I think that would be fascinating um, because it, it's just that. So I don't even, I don't want to make any more claims because I don't want to end yeah. up in this uh, report. Yeah. That's I'll fair. Let, I'll let Brian be that guy. Even Dylan Harper himself is committing false reporting when he said he's going to commit after Peach Jam, and it's been uh, four months since Peach Jam, and he still hasn't committed. So uh, no one really knows. Uh, that's I mean, I've heard something similar to you, Pauly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up in June. Hey, guys, I'm here. And uh, mm-hmm. that's just kind of what happens. So. It, it was when I saw that he was in Georgia on a Saturday night, uh, like there for Ace Bailey, that absolutely did it for me, though. Hundred percent. Is he going to come? So Ace Bailey is going to be here on Wednesday night, right? To get to get fed by the crowd, a nice moment, kind of big up, big ovation. I will definitely be here for that. I mean, it seems like he's in the neighborhood. They're buds. They're buds. What do you hear him? Zagoria did report when he spoke to Ace Bailey after his official visit that he would be at the Georgetown game November fifteenth. I would think that if he's here, Dylan Harbor lives forty minutes away. I'm assuming he's back in Jersey. I mean, he's obviously had, he still has to go to school, right? Despite all this drama and going to the NBA, he still has to go to school. I would imagine he'll be there. Um, And two, the point about him traveling to Georgia on Saturday, he was in Long Island on Friday night watching his brother play in the G League. So it's not like he was in Georgia in the area anyway. He went there on purpose to see this. So again, maybe he's got a jet at this point. Who knows? High school, this could be it. This could be like the high school, you know. It's gonna happen eventually. There's gonna be some high school recruits gonna be flying around the country in a in in, in her own their own Lear business six seater. Arch Manning probably could have had that, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. So they want to talk basketball really quick. I mean, two and one. They're doing. We said they had to win the next five games. We've got the first two. Uh, I thought they looked okay in the second half. Andre Hyatt, you know, was the guy they needed him to be. Hit some outside shots. Um, Kevin Griffith. He's a freshman. He looked great. Right against Boston, did not look, missed some open shots, kind of looked a little out of sorts there against Bryant. Um, overall, I guess, kind of finding their way, this team. Yeah. I look, I, they did what they had to do in winning these two games this weekend. 
They didn't look great doing it against Bryant, but they did it, which is the most important thing. No one's going to look at how you played against Bryant in March. It's just whether you beat them or not. So it's good. Um, I think Andre Hyatt is going to have to do this a couple times in non-conference and kind of, you know, you expect freshmen like Gavin Griffiths and Jermichael Davis to be a bit up and down. Um, the backcourt is going to have to figure something out. They need more from Derek Simpson. They need more from Noah Fernandes. Um, and they're, to your point, they're going to need more from Cliff, probably more from Antoine Woolfolk. Uh, and they desperately need Mawat Mag back because I think he can take them to uh, the next level. So uh, f- until that happens, which I would guess, this is my speculation, he won't be back until Illinois. I don't think there's any reason for him to rush himself back for Georgetown or whatever other tomato cans are playing between now and then. Um, so they have to just survive, beat Georgetown, who lost to Holy Cross this weekend. <laughs> beat Georgetown, beat the rest of the tomato cans until you host Illinois. That stretch, Illinois, Wake Forest, Seton Hall, Maybe ease Mawat Mag back into that. After that three-game stretch, I think as well, you really will know what this team is, where they are at, what they need to fix, what their strengths are, and have a fair projection of like what kind of season to expect when you get back into Big Ten play in January. All right. Let's take a few questions from our loyal subscribers. Thanks, folks. NJ.com, Rutgers Insider, if you want to join the team. David Melman wants to know where... Would we put Rutgers in the Big Ten pecking order? He says, we are now, I think, far improved from the total embarrassment of the Chris Ash era, even after Iowa. Uh, would you put us in the bottom third, perhaps middle third, maybe bottom of the middle of the league? And why? Numerically, where do we currently stand? Uh, good question. And I think I would say six, seven, eight range. And the problem is that Rutgers will have played one through five. Like that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Like that's that's the issue. Like they're they're played the best teams in the league. Six, seven, eight. You guys disagree? No, I think that's pretty spot on. And and it's just been such a weird year for the Big Ten too, with injuries and how the middle of the pack has really shuffled from a week to week basis. Like I was so high on Maryland for most of the season, and then they kind of they lost the Northwestern. They drop. There was an argument for Rutgers coming out of its bye that it could have been the fourth best team in the league. Uh, right. Like we thought maybe they were ahead of Iowa, obviously not. Uh, Wisconsin without Mordecai, what what's, what's happened in Wisconsin, Nebraska's so up and down, like Mm -hmm. there's so much uh, flexibility in the middle that it just, it comes down to game planning and execution to put it, to put it simply. I guess, Brian, the interesting part about this question is that which of those programs that are in that group with them, like Nebraska, you would put Nebraska currently behind Rutgers, but historically, certainly you would think that, and given who they have out there as a coach, that they're going to get that right. Like there's a couple of teams that are, that are in that area that, that you would expect to make, make moves and in, in the uh, positive direction. I would think Wisconsin will weed out yeah. the leftovers from the first year in fickle, some unbelievable quotes out of Madison this weekend about, you know, Mordecai mm. saying, testing their, how much this team cares uh, and they're starting safety saying like the guys are soft and they're not prepared and they're not practicing hard. So clearly there's some, some extras to get rid of the Madison and they'll take the next step under fickle after they do that. Uh, I think Matt rule will bring Nebraska. They look good this year in their first year. They're, they have five wins, which I think a lot of people didn't expect. I think Maryland is in a, I think they'll fall after Tagovailoa graduates. So, but to answer your question about this season as a whole, I would say indisputably the top three are Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. 
Number four is Iowa. I think as much as we hate to watch Iowa, and as much as they suck yeah. offensively, they're definitely the best eight, eight and two, of course. Yeah, yeah, they they, they win. That's all that matters. They win. And I think uh, I would have said Wisconsin two weeks ago, but they look terrible now. I don't know. I think Rutgers is directly in that mix, and then you could argue however you want where they land. Coming in, we thought we thought Rutgers could be the best team in the West if they could beat Iowa, right? Yeah. Like that, that that was what we that's right. what we literally wrote. Yeah, uh, and then and we had yeah you had to watch you guys. Yeah, you guys weren't subjected to it, but we had to like waiting for the <laughs> Rutgers Iowa game to begin. You catch the end of like Indiana Illinois. You're like, well, these two teams stink. We know that Indiana stinks. We saw that up close. Now Illinois is giving up <laughs> forty points against them. I mean, you're like, what? So there's a lot of bad teams. I mean, not a lot of bad teams, but I mean, look at Northwestern. Rutgers handled them. Now that guy might be the coach of the year. The way they've turned it up late in the late in the season. I don't know. I think we think that's about right, guys. Uh, with the, the six, six, seven range. Uh, all right, we got a lot of questions on Gavin Wimpson. Of course, I'm gonna try to just since we talked about him a lot. Tony from Lawrence kind of encapsulated the one that I got the most. Why doesn't Gavin pull the handoff and run more? It seems like his runs are mostly of the design quarterback off tackle variety. I was screaming at the TV, screaming at the TV about that. Do you guys have a sense why he didn't run more? Not screaming loud enough. Clearly, because they didn't hear him in Iowa City. I don't know. Do they not trust him to make those reads? I don't see another reason why they wouldn't let him do it, right? I mean, he's shown the ability to run the ball when it's a yeah. design run. Yeah. Maybe they only trust the efficiency of that play when they can design it and they have Manungai leading as a lead blocker versus kind of hoping he reads it right. So that's my only real guess. Yeah, I think uh, it comes down to reading the defense a lot and the way – that Iowa had eight guys in the box too, probably uh, took away some of that. But, but on that play, you're reading what the defensive end does, whether you want to hand it off or, or keep it. And I think that I was very sound in their, in their gap discipline and things like that. So it, it just, it put a lot of pressure on Gavin to make the right decision. And he didn't really necessarily even make the decision because he handed it off every single time. Right. Right. Uh, uh, all right, a couple other fun ones. Uh, John from Edison points out that I know it's early for this, but 30 bucks to park at the rack for a basketball game. That is embarrassing. Uh, I heard a lot of issues about traffic getting out of that game. We will monitor this situation, guys, uh, in the next few weeks and let you know what we're finding. Uh, and here's a good one for the pod. Favorite road football venue, which is not necessarily the same for hoops. So it's kind of interesting. Like what's a good what's a good road venue for one that's bad for the other? I mean, obviously, I have not, unfortunately, seen a basketball game in Indiana, but I have to. I can only assume it's better for basketball than it would be for football because it stinks for football. But what do you guys think? You've been now around the league a little bit. We haven't traveled to many basketball arenas, to be fair. I, I went to Assembly Hall, but I've never been to Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. So we're on the opposite sides of the same coin. Uh, Penn State working facilities at, at Bryce Jordan Center and at Beaver Stadium stink equally. So I have no real comparison there. Uh, but I will say, I thought Pat, you could, I think Pat agrees with me here. I thought uh, Kinnick Stadium was awesome, if not the best, one of the best working situations for us since uh, in our tour on the Big Ten. I completely agree. I thought uh, Iowa with the, the fans, uh, the wave, which like I was a, a puddle of mush just looking at the children's <laughs> hospital the whole time, like very emotional. <laughs> I, I thought the whole thing at Iowa was very impressive the like the facility was great the access like we were down on the field pre-game which was cool um and became important like was Kyle Manunga going to play or not and and all those other guys that were questionable I thought Iowa was a plus 
Madison is still my favorite. It's still my favorite trip to date. Uh, like the the college atmosphere of Madison, Wisconsin, the way it's kind of built into the city is very cool. And and Camp Randall was a great venue. And, and Ann Arbor was very cool, too. I did the fan experience in Ann Arbor following around uh, a couple of Rutgers fans. I thought that was a pretty cool one. But I thought Iowa uh, overall was uh, a great college destination. So I would I would put that on the list. Yeah, I haven't seen a, a basketball game there, but I have to imagine it's obviously they've been very good at basketball. It would be a fun place. Uh, football wise, Nebraska has been great. I mean, I, I don't know. I doubt it's good basketball, but football, it's, that was a great trip. And I can't wait. We're going to see Pauley Pavilion eventually. Going to see the LA Coliseum. Then we'll, right. we'll, we'll expand this list. Hopefully, our trips to California are a little less interesting than our trips to Iowa because within like, just before getting to Iowa City, there was a lot happening. Um, we get to LaGuardia Airport, and yeah, that's that's. Let me just stop you right there. This is the first mistake. We get to LaGuardia Airport. You've already you've already lost. The yeah, game is this over. This one's on me. This one's on me. This I one's on me. I, I, both, I made us fly out of LaGuardia. Right, I'm a I North Jersey. Brian's a North Jersey guy. We're all North Jersey guys, right? Like I, I, so to me, like going to LaGuardia doesn't seem that bad, but yeah. it was brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Spoiler airport's alert. Airport's great though. Airport's great. Once you get in the airport, awesome. Getting right. into the airport is a bit of a hassle. Yeah. Um yes. then we fly to Charlotte. And we get off the plane and we go to the bathroom and a, a very strange situation where there's a man, you know, like sometimes you go to a restaurant and there's a guy that hands out towels and gets tips. I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. what that guy's job is. Mm-hmm. There was a guy like that at the bathroom of the airport in Charlotte, but mm-hmm. he, he like would kept pointing out that the white dispenser, I can't remember exactly what he said. He'd be like the white box over there by the sink, it has soap in it. And he kept saying that over and mm-hmm. over and over to everyone who walked in and out. And he would say, hello, sir, and goodbye, sir, to everyone who walked in and out. And I wasn't sure all if I time, should. All-time bathroom attendant. All-time bathroom Are attendant. Are you sure he was an attendant and not just a deranged traveler? Could you rule <laughs> yes. that out? That's possible. Because I think he was actually like a janitor who right. had like a, he had a dustpan and uh, like was probably cleaning the bathroom at the time that he was telling everyone where the soap was. I hate the Charlotte airport. And this is going to seem weird. A weird reason. And and it is a weird reason, but we're really I get infuriated by the rocking chairs everywhere. Like you're walking from one oh. gate to another, and there are all these rocking. Cha- I don't knew, I don't know why that bothers me, but I see them and I'm like, this is not a place. This what is this? A front porch on like on a on a on a, a, a nice spring day of a rocking chair in the airport. Every time I just irrationally get angry about that. that Here's a great uh, question about the Charlotte Airport for you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, first in flight. North Carolina, right? <laughs> First in flight, last to right. Yep. <laughs> sure, sure. You're a North Carolina graduate. Um, Brian and I were having this debate uh, because the Wright brothers are apparently from Ohio. And Brian had this fact off the top of his head. So who claims, who actually deserves the first in flight motto? Is oh, it North yeah. Carolina or Ohio because they're from Ohio? That's a great question. Yeah. North Carolina sort of stole that because it happened on the beach down there in Nagshead. Yeah. There's a museum where the first flight was, which is something you bring your kids to when it's raining at the Outer Banks. Yeah, that's a good question. It is. You would think. I think you make a good point, Brian. If you want to, Ohio, is that what you said, where they're from? The Wright Brothers? You can steal it. Yeah. I mean, they they were, Ohio was the birthplace of the people that invented flying. Well, not invented Mm -hmm. flying because birds have been flying before that, but invented airplanes. Yeah. Um, but the first flight was in North Carolina. So I yeah. think it's a I think you can argue either side. I don't think okay. there's a right answer. 
Good the debates that go on behind the scenes of the Rutgers Ram yeah. podcast. This, this is, is the fascinating stuff. So we're taking an Uber back to our hotel in Cedar Rapids when we finally get there. And we ask our taxi driver, hey, we were in Wisconsin. We had brats. We had cheese curds. What's the local delicacy here in Iowa? Uh, Pat, mm-hmm. what, what did he start t- rattling off the top of his head? First of all, we were in like an industrial park, sec- the industrial park section of Cedar Rapids, which you could only imagine is right on like a major interstate that runs through the country. Uh, just there were only truckers and strip clubs and fast food joints. So the the, the three sounds, recommendations he had sounds were delightful. Perkins, Taco Bell, and Wendy's. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Face, told us those were three places we should try. That's that's great. That sounds oh, good. Oh, and 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 Casey's gas station pizza, which is one of the you best should have done that that he ever had. I would have loved to have gotten the review of I had that would have been a great look. It's like a good NG.com post. I had gas station pizza in Iowa. It will surprise you. That'd been good. It'd been good. That's true. We were not in our game, apparently, but it was like one in the morning. Yeah. All right. Good stories from Iowa. What else? Field hockey out with a whimper. Women's soccer out with a whimper. No NCAA tournament wins this fall, I guess, is what we're looking at. So. Yep. Disappointing for field hockey to start the season off 15 and 0, their greatest ever start. We're talking about Big Ten regular season titles, Big mm-hmm. Ten tournament titles, NCAA tournament titles, and they lose uh three of their last no four of their last five games, uh, lose a heartbreaker to win the regular season, losing the second round of the Big Ten tournament, losing the first round of the Big Ten tournament against Harvard, against the sworn enemy of the Lanny household. Um, yeah. tough way to go out. And Columbia took that women's soccer. I've been told both these programs are going to be better next year. Uh, so if you're looking at that, there's hope here. But yeah, first round loss for uh, women's soccer as well. Yep. Uh, they blew a one nothing lead too late, late in the last 20 minutes. Looked like sporting for a little bit, but we don't have to go into right. that. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. I want to end with this. I've got uh, I, I have a request from my friend Keith Norton, who does our intro. Wonderful intro. So he had loyal. The loyalist listeners will note that that Norts former Rutgers lacrosse player, great friend of the pod, changed his introduction because a a friend pointed out, a buddy pointed out that it sounded like he was saying, let's start shopping instead of let's start chopping. And it was bothering him so much. And I'm like, Norris, I don't know what you're talking about. That's ridiculous. But he's a perfectionist. He wanted to change it. Uh, so this is this is from a loyal listener, Lucky Mayer, age 10, Lucky Meyer, I think, M-A-Y-E-R, should have asked him how to pronounce it. He'll make me re-record this after that. Uh, listens to the pod every episode, lives in Colorado, favorite player is Wimsett. Uh, he wants credit for pointing out that error, and I just like it. You know, I asked Lucky if it sounded better, and he said yes. Um, and Lucky also wants to point out that I pronounce, I mispronounced Silicon Valley in my ad for uh, for the for the the helix but we're not going to record because i am not the level of perfectionist that our mc keith norton is so thanks lucky good job by you solid job all right on that note let's end this show thanks everyone for listening we'll be back later in the week to pick the Rutgers penn state game see you then thank you for listening to the Rutgers rant to participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.